You're listening to Women Transcend. I'm Jennifer Todd, and this is a podcast that explores issues that affect women and girls worldwide. Each episode, we dive into a topic of national or international significance and discuss the particular impact on women and girls and how they are able to overcome or transcend. If you are a new listener to our podcast, welcome. We are really glad you found us. If you're a friend of the pod, you probably noticed that our opener music is different. And we are trying to check out some new grooves. We're looking for um, maybe a different vibe. Same pod, um, same dedication, same mission. But uh, we're going to try out some new music. So I hope I hope you enjoy it. So the topic we're covering today is cyber harassment. I went into this podcast thinking that I was kind of up to date, but I really learned a lot from our interview. So I encourage you to stick around for the interview. So when I think about cyber harassment, honestly, my mind goes right to Twitter because I guess that's where I personally see most of the ugliness but I was off the mark. There's a lot of harassment, a lot of bullying that occurs in lots of different forums and formats and different manners. So I'm just going to go over a little bit so that we're, we sort of have a, a working knowledge of what we're talking about when we talk about cyber harassment. So the definition, the working definition is repetitive, invasive, and anxiety-provoking online interpersonal attacks. If you've spent any time on any open forum on the internet, you probably have seen this, and you may have been attacked personally. But things that fall under this are internet defamation, so someone making disparaging claims about you, uh, whether they know you or not, they just may say nasty things about you, cyberbullying. And I think when we use this terminology, we think about children, but we're talking about two different phenomena. There's cyberbullying among children and cyberbullying among adults. And they're both destructive, but they're different in how they're carried out and impact is also different. Cyber stalking is very real. It's very frightening if you have been the victim of, you know, someone stalking you on the internet. And then just trolling, internet trolls. And I think that we probably all know or have seen trolling. And these tend to be people that purposefully use digital modalities, Twitter, Facebook, to try to upset you, to goad you into an argument. They say inflammatory things just to sort of get an argument started. So with that sort of foundation, 
let's get this discussion started. And I would like to ask John Philbeck, would you join the conversation, please? I would be delighted. Great. So when we started discussing this topic, what did you know about cyber harassment? Uh, I have been very fortunate to not have really been ex exposed to that personally very much. You know, it is in the news. So I have been on Facebook, I've been on Twitter, and I, and I have seen these things occurring to other people. And of course, I've read about it in the news, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an expert. Uh-huh. And when you hear the term cyber harassment, what is the first thing that just pops in your head? I think about trolls, internet trolls, I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. And then to find out from our expert, who we will be interviewing shortly, it's so much more, and it goes so much deeper than that. Yeah. So, John, yes? I would like to give you a quiz. Uh-oh. <laughs> I didn't study. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even get to ask if this was going to be on the quiz. <laughs> All right, I'll give it my best. So this is a cybersecurity knowledge quiz that Pew Research Center actually put together. Okay. I came across it. I scored an 80%. I got eight out of 10 right. Okay. Um, so Bring let, it. Yeah. <laughs> let me just see how much you know. Okay. What <laughs> All right. Crickets. I'll put in the cricket sound after that one. Okay. All right. What does the HTTPS at the beginning of a URL denote as opposed to HTTP with, uh, with no S being right. the difference? I'm not sure exactly what HTTP stands for. It's like hyper and text and protocol and another but T the, or something. The question the is S, more about the S. The S. Uh, I think it's security or has something to do with security. It's more it, secure. Yes, it does have something to do with security. It denotes that that site is encrypted. Ah, okay. So encrypting information entered into a website makes it far more difficult for anyone other than the user or the owner to read the information. Okay. So if you're on a public site and it has an S yeah. in the URL, then it is a little bit more safer. Right, okay. Um, it does not by any means denote that... You're that, guaranteed yes, safety. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. are, are you scoring me? No, I'm reading through the questions. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know what, if I got a point. All right, question two. A group of computers that is networked together and used by hackers to steal information is called what? I think this is one of those words that when I hear it, I'll go, oh, yeah, but I can't think of it right off. Yeah, it is a botnet. Uh, okay. So a botnet is used to launch an attack where large amounts of requests are sent to a web server in order to overwhelm the server and uh, shut it down. So You mean like a denial of service? Yes, it's a distributed dis denial of service. So yes, John, you get bonus points <laughs> okay. for knowing that. <laughs> Figured it couldn't hurt to throw that in there. Third question. Turning off the GPS function of your smartphone prevents any tracking of your phone's location. True or false? 
That sounds like it's probably false. I'll say false. That's correct. It is false. In addition to GPS, smartphones can also be tracked using the cell phone, the tower or Wi-Fi network that the phone is connected to. Mm. So even if you have your GPS turned off on your phone, there are still ways to locate okay. where that phone is. Yeah. Question four. If a public Wi-Fi network, like you might access at an airport uh -huh. or a coffee shop, yeah. requires a password to access it, is it generally safe to use that network for sensitive activities like online banking? I would say definitely not. That is correct. No, it is not safe for sensitive things. Even if a public Wi-Fi network requires a password, other users can potentially view the sensitive information a user sends across that Wi-Fi network. Yeah. So if you have the password to get in, other people have the password to get in. Yeah. And so your information is sensitive. Right. So yeah, be careful with the public access right. to Wi-Fi networks. Last question. Okay. This is the speed round, maybe. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to read really fast. So. What kind of cybersecurity risks can be minimized by using a virtual private network or a VPN? Okay. I think that a VPN will allow you to hide your IP address, but I'm not entirely sure what kinds of things, you know. Yeah. They need to know your IP address to... Yeah, this is a little bit less... Uh, straightforward an answer. Yeah. So yes, that's true. So a VPN allows users to create an encrypted connection between their devices and the internet. So it makes it much harder for anyone other than the user to see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it hides your, your IP address and it... And it encrypts as well. Yeah. yeah. It, it tries to make it more difficult for people to see okay. what you're doing. Like picking up on your keystrokes yeah. to catch your password and that right. sort of thing. So I just thought this would be a fun way to talk about cybersecurity. But honestly, this isn't a fun topic because the impersonal nature of the digital world, using digital devices, communicating with each other in digital platforms allows us to put up that third wall. So we are able to communicate anonymously. And because of that, it allows people to act all kinds of fool yep. <laughs> that they wouldn't do, you know, if they were looking someone in yeah. the eye. Yeah, and when people have that anonymity, wow, they can just really be incredibly mean. Yeah, right. And we see this... You know, with the bullying and the harassment yeah. and it can get really frightening and it can be really upsetting, even if, and it sometimes feels silly. Like, you know, you're in a discussion, uh, you know, you post something and all of a sudden you get an immediate note back that's very ugly. You know, yeah. you post something that you think is important and you get a response back, and sometimes it could be a bot. It might not even be a person behind it yeah. saying something ugly about you personally. Yeah, I, I won't even go into the words that they use, but sure. that depersonalization 
it's um really does draw out an ugly side of humanity. Yeah, it it seems to make people feel like they have license to to do this. Like it it makes it okay. You know, that it's it's not just they won't get caught, but it's it's actually okay. Yeah. And I also think there is a certain amount of group mentality that, you know, they see other people doing it and they see other people ganging up. Yeah. I happen to really respect Ashley Judd. I think she does amazing work. She's an ambassador for the UN, which I really respect. Mm. She's a strong woman, which tends to elicit a response on the Internet. And I have followed Ashley Judd on my social media accounts. And I have to say, I cannot believe the amount of hate. Mm. People clearly go out of their way just to follow her to make just unnecessarily awful comments to her. And she did a TED Talk about uh, online harassment Mm. That's excellent if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. But, you know, she still posts. And every time she posts, immediately the internet just, or, you know, whatever forum it's on, it just lights up with all kinds of night. Just, and this is just one case study. And it, it doesn't just happen to women. But, you know, if you post uh, hashtag feminism on Twitter, uh-huh. you will get an, you are guaranteed You'll to get- You'll experience it firsthand right yes, away. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You are guaranteed to get a response and it, you know, it might be a bot, but it's really hard not to get upset by that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the first, the first rule of Fight Club, the first rule of, of Internet Fight Club is not to engage yeah. in Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. So don't feed the trolls. Yeah. Don't try to engage in discussion. It's not worth it. You're not going to change their mind. If somebody comes at you with that level of hatred, yeah. that is not a person yeah. that is open for it's discussion. It's going to think logically and yes. go, oh, yeah. yeah. So thank you, John, for being a good sport and taking the quiz. My pleasure. <laughs> Hopefully, um, it, it'll give a little bit of information about making the internet secure and safe for you. Yeah. Just a tiny bit, you know, whatever we can do. But I will also say that our amazing guest addresses that as well. Yes. So my interview with the amazing Justin Hentz is coming up next. Justin Hintz is a digital strategist for the nonprofit Women Who Tech. Stay tuned. It will be worth a listen. Welcome to Women Transcend, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I am delighted to have you join us to talk about this issue, which I just personally think we cannot talk about enough because I think it happens way more often than is acknowledged. And I think it's causing way more pain to people and to women in particular and girls than is acknowledged. And that is online cyber harassment. 
So you work for an agency that specializes in women in technology, correct? Uh, yeah, I work with Women Who Tech, a nonprofit that advocates for women in technology. Uh-huh. And so from your point of view, do you think that online harassment is increasing or am I exaggerating the case that this is a serious problem? This is absolutely a serious problem. And it's been growing over the years as far as essentially this concept of a third screen and people thinking that they can say whatever they want. They can make death threats. They can make rape threats. They can bully and harass people online because they're not actually talking face-to-face to somebody. So there becomes this third screen and this barrier where they think that they can say whatever they want and make whatever threats that they want because they're not looking someone in the eye. Yeah. And really the only repercussion that they could possibly face is to be dropped from their account, their Twitter account or whatever. There can be legal repercussions, but it is often rare that that happens, especially with the anonymity of the web and people's ability to make fake accounts. And of course, IP addresses can be tracked, but oftentimes law enforcement is not putting energy into that. Yeah. I I would imagine that they probably go after the extreme cases of, you you know, persistent threats and and very explicit and clear threats to an individual rather than the sort of harassment that we see in an online environment like Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So once the threats, like especially with Gamergate, people being harassed and threatened and then essentially they are having the ways that they will be raped and murdered described to them. Those cases are more extreme and they're horrendous and very scary. People are, it actually, a lot of women have been afraid to leave their house. They've left the tech sector. They've left the gaming community because of these threats. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I know that there have been some high profile women in, in technology like Felicia Day, who was involved in, in Gamergate and got doxxed seriously. And she had to, as you say, sort of pull herself off of all technology to minimize the risks to her own personal safety. So this is, this is more than just rude comments. Exactly. It's actually, it's so much more serious than that. And people are fearing for their lives. When their personal information is put online and they actually have their address listed, where their family lives, their name, all of that, they're absolutely going to fear for their lives because all of these people who are anti-woman, who are misogynists, who are online trying to harm women specifically have now all of their information and can find them consent um, firing squads, they can send um, police to their house, they can absolutely target them and docks them. And yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. I think that sort of at the genesis of this idea of, you know, online harassment was people sending rude emails. And that was so completely different because it was coming from an identified person. Even if it's somebody that you didn't know, um, you know, before we had all these different platforms that were so completely anonymous, I think that these unwanted emails, I think that's sort of where it started. And then it has just so exploded as technology has exploded. And it has become so easy 
to be anonymous online, like you said, behind that third wall. And people will act in every foolish manner when they think that they are completely hidden, it seems. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. In 2014 and 2016, Rad Campaign, the web agency I work with, it's a part of Women Who Tech, partnered with Craig Newmark of Craigslist and Craig Connects on an online survey of over a thousand Americans about their experiences with online harassment. And we worked with Lincoln Park Strategies to conduct this poll. And we just wanted to see the shifts in internet use and how social networks have been fighting this online harassment and see like what's actually working, what's not. And in that survey, the data that came back was so fascinating because nearly half of all millennials either personally experience harassment or know someone who has. But what's almost more, I guess, surprising, because that was less surprising, but 72% of millennials knew their harasser online. Oh, wow. And, and of course, this is just the survey, but we did do representative surveys of the country. And it's shocking because we do think of the anonymity of the internet. And a lot of harassers are people that are strangers and are doing this doxing and this these threats. But when on day-to-day harassment, people know their harassers seven in 72% of cases. Okay. Um, wow. I just had my OMG moment. That is extremely disturbing. Yeah. And so, well, so it's that 72% of millennials knew their harasser in at least one of the cases of harassment. So that's not to say that they always know their harasser, but it could be somebody they know, somebody, maybe a coworker. And we definitely are seeing higher rates of women being harassed than men and also people of color. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there also is in forums, fora like Twitter, there's kind of a gang mentality, it seems. You know, if they watch for a certain hashtag and then they, you know, there is also a role for bots in this, but there are some organized groups that will watch for somebody to post with a hashtag and then they just gang that person with these hateful messages. Is that accurate? Yeah, so these trolls are essentially looking to harass people who post with certain hashtags, who talk about certain subjects. And even if somebody doesn't use a hashtag, you can still search for what they're talking about. So hashtag or not, if you say something about feminism, you're likely going to be found. If you say something about Gamergate, you're likely going to be found. Uh And not only is it, like you said, these these, um, trolls and these people who are looking specifically for this, but as you also mentioned, there's the bots that people create to exacerbate this issue. And so an internet bot is a web robot essentially. And it's a software application that runs across the web and they're performing tasks at a higher rate than is possible for any one human to do alone. So they're able to replicate this essentially hate, these threats, this harassment at a much higher rate than any human could ever do. Yes, so they are essentially programming these bots which are frighteningly easy to access and set up. Yes. They're, they're using these bots to send out tens of thousands of hate-filled messages, I would say, based on an algorithm where they look for key terms. And if you happen to accidentally type that term or purposefully address an issue that you care about, you could mm-hmm. see your direct message box just explode or you could just be ganged with dozens of tweets 
saying horrible things about you for a position you took or a word that you use, but it's not generated directly by a person, right? These are being generated by bots, by machines. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a machine learning, it's a programming, and it's essentially teaching these bots to go out and attack. Uh-huh. It is all run by a computer. Yeah. And it makes it look like there is more opposition than there really is. It may just be like one or two really obnoxious people who know how to program bots really well. But then you get this disproportionate response and it makes it seem like you are backed into a corner by a crowd of thugs. Yeah. And then I think what happens is that crowd think mentality. So people see this happening and then join in. They're like, oh, I want to get in on this. And it ends up being essentially this bombardment of threats and harassment. And it's essentially people just jump in and have entire threads then devoting to bringing people down specifically. And for Brianna Wu, for example, when she was doxxed and when she was attacked by Gamergate, she she didn't even know when she could go back to her house because she didn't know who would be there. She didn't know when they would be there. And she had entire threads devoted to just destroying her, essentially, and discrediting her on 8chan and 4chan. Uh-huh. And essentially, it also was creating fake feminist Twitter accounts and then attacking her game for objectifying women. So, like, these bots are created in so many different facets that they are attacking from every angle. Yeah, that's a really great point because... It seems like it used to be a lot easier to tell, you know, you look at at a profile and you're like, well, that's clearly a, a bot because they've sent out 200,000 tweets and they have two followers or something. But they're really getting good at hiding what is a bot. And like you said, on both sides. So you can get supportive bot messages and then get attacked. Yeah. So it's it's very muddy who's on your side and who's attacking you. And that's kind of a very simplistic way to say it, but yeah, it seems like it used to be a lot more clear who was a bot and you could just block or they would be taken down. But, you know, they've gotten very savvy about hiding the bot status, I guess. Yeah. And even if you block a bot, for example, there are thousands more that can immediately follow you. And it's just unrealistic when there is that level of attack to be able to just block all of them without just leaving Twitter, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's their goal (laughs) is to actually like take you down, shut you out and take away your voice. Uh Uh-huh. And then they also do this thing where they en masse, either real people or their bots, complain to Twitter to get you kicked off if you say something that meets their algorithm or they don't like. Yeah. And- like we were saying, they, they're specific targets. So we know from our research that the majority of people who are being harassed online are politically engaged. So if you're not very politically engaged, we found that only 8% of those are being harassed online versus 69% of people who are either very or somewhat politically engaged are harassed. Uh-huh. That is shocking. And we should all be just extremely troubled. 69% of people online are harassed. Uh, Who are politically engaged. Politically engaged. Yeah, sorry. That's an important caveat. So there there must be some political motivation then. Yeah, and it's definitely people. So it's political. I mean, and 
the personal really is political. So yeah, people's personal politics are often publicly viewable because a lot of Twitter accounts are not private. A lot of Facebook groups allow for access to many people commenting on what you have to say. And because Facebook is so integrated into so many different aspects of the internet. Uh Yeah, (laughs) it's incorporated into just regular blog posts into news articles, all of that ends up being interconnected, and a lot of pathways for harassment to occur. So Facebook, for example, is where we've seen that the most harassment is occurring. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah, in polling people, Facebook is definitely the place where people are harassed the most. And it's interesting, because we found that it's followed by email and then Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because we hear all the time that email's dead. Like people are like, email's dead. Nobody uses email. Email's not the channel. That's not where people are. But they really are. A lot of people are still using email every single day. Our inboxes are constantly being filled. And there is harassment going on there as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. There is, as you mentioned uh, at the start of our interview, you aren't looking somebody in the in the eyes when you press that send button. So we lack a filter. You know, even if you're sending an email to someone that you know, we lack a filter or sort of <laughs> executive frontal lobe capacity to inhibit sending something that is wildly inappropriate. But if you're not looking at that person and saying these things directly, somehow you can justify doing it. Well, I think there's absolutely a dehumanizing aspect involved. So if you're not looking at someone's face and you're just typing, you're just like essentially putting that out there into the world. Um, I don't remember who it was, but there was someone, a feminist activist who was harassed and she ended up reaching out to her harasser and like one of one of this one person who just kept harassing and harassing and it was going on for so long. And she's like, what is happening? Why are you doing this? And I think they ended up talking on the phone or meeting and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. And apologized in the end because he just had so much disassociated his comments with the fact that there was an actual person on the other side. Uh-huh. Yeah. How much responsibility do you think should be assigned to platforms like Facebook, like Twitter, for not doing a better job of providing a safe space? So I think safe spaces don't really exist. I think safer spaces are definitely something that need to be strived for. But because everyone has such a different concept of what safety is and what that looks like for them, it's really difficult to legislate that essentially. But I I definitely think that each platform absolutely has a responsibility to be good at their job and to do customer service. And that Uh customer service means that it's ensuring that people aren't being threatened, that people aren't afraid for their lives, that people are not being harassed. Uh And can't stop every single incident of harassment from occurring. They can put policies in place to lessen the harassment and to make sure that the harassers have repercussions that they face. Uh Uh-huh. And it seems like Twitter has, you know, they've made very small steps. They've made it a little bit easier to report incidences of, you know, self-perceived harassment. Facebook, I'm not so sure. I I like to think that they are making steps. Are are you aware of things that Facebook is doing to try to address harassment on their format? 
or platform, sorry? Yeah, so Facebook does allow people to report harassment. You can report people and then um, write if it's spam, harassment, if it shouldn't be on Facebook, if it's something you just don't want to see, or if it's harassment and you want to report it, they have like a reporting system and they get back to you and tell you whether or not they think that your uncomfortability is in line with their policies for taking comments down or blocking people. Okay. So once you do that, you have the option to also block them. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you block one person, there could be, you know, a hundred behind them that it's just, it's like whack-a-mole kind of. Yeah. And and the social networks are definitely trying because they are getting so much pushback and because there has been so much going on that they want to deflect and not have so much blame put on them. So they are trying to put different policies into place in their terms of services to stop that, but they're not doing a great job. (laughs) It's happening Uh too often for them to be doing a great job. And granted, the platforms grew quickly and have been growing every single year after year. So more users are joining and they don't generally stop people from doing that. But People can just, they, they can have their account reinstated and people are being blocked for things that are just dumb. Like if someone doesn't want to have their real name on Facebook and they want to do it for privacy purposes and they're not harassing people, that should be okay. <laughs> and yeah, people are uh-huh. being taken off of Facebook. Really? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I would imagine when it comes down to it, it takes manpower and thus money for them to figure out if there is actual, you know, an actual case of harassment versus somebody just doesn't like what somebody has said. So it would cost them to police their their own platforms to make sure that it's a safe space. I'm not saying that's the only decision, but I'm sure these are businesses, so they factor that in. Absolutely. And now that Facebook owns Instagram, that's something that they're going to have to, that they've had to take on as well, as far as being aware of the harassment happening on that platform. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any advice for the average social media user, things that they can do to protect themselves, to keep from getting harassed? Yeah, um, it's really difficult because you never know when that will happen or by who or you don't necessarily expect it. I would say don't don't feed the trolls. So don't give in to them. Don't respond. Don't try and defend your point necessarily when you know they're a troll. So at the moment you figure out that they're just going to keep going and not stop, it's not going to be productive. And it's tough sometimes, especially for those of us like myself who feel really strongly about certain issues to just not say, but oh, but like, you're wrong about this issue. (laughs) Women do deserve equal rights. Um, Uh Or that's just a lie. Check the facts. Exactly. Exactly. It's really difficult, but realizing that they are a troll or that they are a bot and just not engaging and then absolutely blocking them, reporting, blocking, those are going to be really helpful. While yes, it might not take them offline forever, it will at least deter them briefly, hopefully. That's the goal. Yeah. And then like, like I said, filing complaints with the social media platform, just because we think that sometimes they're not doing good enough. They do something. <laughs> so yes. And if if nothing else, asking other people to in your network to be able to do that too. Say like, hey, all of these people I trust in my online community, this person is harassing me. Please also block them. 
Yeah, and the more people push back to these platforms, the more they will have to pay attention and be responsible. And I think that it's easy just to, you know, uh, I'm just going to block that person and not even deal with it. But the more we call out the inappropriate activity, maybe the more attention will be paid to the inappropriate activity. Yes. Or maybe that's wishful thinking. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the case. And the more people who do speak out about one person, the the higher the chances of that person actually facing repercussions. Yeah. And I have heard, like you mentioned, of people organizing groups around issues to, I mean, it's almost like a, a, a bot response, but a group of people that stand up for an issue. And if, you know, they watch for that hashtag to cause a storm and, you know, this network will jump in to defend that person that is sort of getting ganged up on by bots or people. I'm not saying that's the answer, but I have heard of that as one way to deal with particularly issues that trigger these attacks, um, like hashtag, hashtag abortion. That one exactly. will get you every time. <laughs> It does. That's true. Um, yeah. But I, th I think what you're saying has a lot of validity. There's, there is something about having a community because being on the internet can feel really isolating for some people once that those attacks begin to happen because you're just being attacked and it's all coming in and it's, it can be isolating. So having that community and that group of people can be really validating to have their support and to have their pushback as well. So whether that's private Facebook groups, Twitter lists that you've put together, people that you know you can reach out to. Heart Mob is a group that was created specifically to try and counter online harassment. Oh, Heart Mob. That's good to know. Okay. Yeah. It was actually started by Hollaback. And oh, yeah. they put it together to essentially people can say, hey, I'm being harassed. Here's who's harassing me. Here's what they're saying. Here's like a link to the thread. And that email goes out to everyone who signed up on HeartMob. And it's like, how can I support you? And you can go in and support them, whether that's blocking the person, reporting the person, or just saying uplifting things for the person who's being harassed. Yeah, which is also important. Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for your time and your expertise, and most importantly, for your great work in this very critical area that is underappreciated how how upsetting and how damaging what people think are just innocuous comments on the internet, how upsetting they can be for, for girls and women and for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. My pleasure. And um, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Have you ever heard of the website Etsy.com? I sure have. Yes. It's a great place to get handmade and vintage goods. Huge variety. Yeah. Really high quality stuff too. Yes. And it's a great way to support independent artisans. When I'm doing my holiday shopping, one of the first places I go is Etsy.com. So I am thrilled that today's episode is supported by an Etsy shop, Fourth Wave Feminist Apparel. I would encourage you to visit their shop on Etsy, pull up Etsy.com, and then search for their name. What kind of stuff do they have? I, let me read this. Sorry. <laughs> 
Wear your heart on your sleeve with fourth wave feminist apparel. Each design celebrates courageous women throughout history and encourages modern feminists to stand together shoulder to shoulder in persisting, resisting, and smashing the patriarchy. Fourth Wave Apparel's hand-printed butter-soft shirts and tanks are created by women for women with inclusive sizing and ethical sourcing. Stop by their shop on Etsy.com. It is Fourth Wave Apparel or visit the website Fourth Wave Apparel, no numbers spelled out, fourthwaveapparel.com. So thank you, Fourth Wave Apparel. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Women Transcend. I'd like to make a couple of shout outs. First, I'd like to ask, please, if you would consider making a donation to a charity of your choice to support the disaster work for the numerous disasters around the world right now in Texas and Puerto Rico. They need our help in Mexico. So whatever nonprofit you tend to support, they need your help right now. I personally support the work of SPCA. I did a lot of disaster planning, and I know that one aspect of disaster planning that is often forgotten is what we do with our pets, with our animals during a disaster. So if you are interested in making a difference to animals who are often left behind in empty houses, sometimes owners who don't know what to do, tie them to fences and leave them, the SPCA is there to help those animals. So a shout out to support a charity of your choice during this very difficult time for a lot of people. I also want to make a shout out to another independent podcast. I want to recognize the great work done by Rockstar Mentor Podcast. If you are an artist, this is the podcast for you. This podcast is meant to inspire you and bring the kickstart you need to crush the art industry. Give it a listen. Their website is rockstarmentor.com or you can find them on podcatchers where you usually find your pods. Thanks again for joining us. You can do us a really big favor and drop us a note. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about our show. If there are topics that you'd like us to cover, please send us an email. Our email address is women.transcend at gmail.com. Or you can find us through the contact us page on our website, which is womentranscend.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well so you can be sure that you won't miss an episode because it will automatically show up in your podcast player. A big thanks to Justin Hintz for speaking with me for today's really important episode. And of course to John Philbeck for doing all of the fabulous sound artistry so that we sound so good. Tweet us at Women Transcend or follow us on Facebook because we always enjoy hearing from you. That's all for this episode.